Welcome back, Virtus Podcast. We're back, season four, again, another episode. Uh, today we are very lucky. Mitch has made his way down the down the highway from all the way down Footscray Way. Uh, so today we have Mitch Greaves from MFP Performance, correct? Correct. That, are we going with that? Yeah. Uh, Mitch is also the rehab coordinator. What's your actual title? Head of strength and conditioning head of strength. these days. Oh, you have yeah. 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 That's yep. a spicy title. All titles are made up. Tad different. Yeah, my last one was Performance Preparation Coordinator. That's the one. Yeah, so that was the one I was like, I don't know if it's still that or The fakest title <laughs> you could ever all hear. Ti- all yeah. titles. Maybe we can talk about all titles made up. <laughs> uh, head of Strength and Conditioning at Hawthorne AFLW. Uh, previously at Carlton, previously done a bunch of other stuff as well. And A conversation I'm very excited about because we have similar views on some stuff. <laughs> and we've already we've talked about a few of those over at Common Folk Coffee, which is delightful. We should have recorded all that, really. Oh man, maybe we can open those can of worms now. We've got some practice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you do, Mitch? What's your day to day look like? What do you do for the people? Uh, my day to day is is very different to what it looked like two to three years ago. Really, um, what was it? It was during the second lockdown, I think, that I bought in at at MFP Melbourne yeah. Fitness and Performance. So Time- timelines get a bit blurred for me when COVID. Comes oh mate, doesn't it ever? Um, so. Yeah, a, a lot more business stuff these days, but it probably still only takes up maybe 30 to 40% of my yep. week. Um, yep. And then, yeah, kind of my, my year is split into two halves. One yeah. one half of the year is AFW, full on, plus MFP, and then the other half of the year is kind of summertime. Yeah. Which is, which is grouse <laughs> these days. I'm glad they made the shift when they did. Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad to not have to stand in 40 degree heat three times a week. Yes. That much. Although pre-season is a very different ball game now that it's yeah. winter. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole different ball yeah, game. Yeah, but... I'm lucky. I get to stay inside most of the time. True. Yeah, I get, very, the, very true. I get the very, very good end of the stick. Indeed. Uh, what is MFP? What do you do? What's your niche specialty? What's the business being set up as? What's yeah. that kind of look like? Um, so we, we started set up um, as kind of like a hybrid. So we had like our, our gen pop program and then we kind of had our um, athletes plus like sport rehab would kind of fit into there as well. Yep. Um, and then during COVID, we kind of pulled the trigger on just really streamlining and getting after the, the athletic population, both from a sport rehab and a, and a performance standpoint. So um, we, we purely do that there now. Um, we do have like a few gen pop and, and stuff floating through, but yep. they're in there because they add to the energy, add yeah. to the vibe um, more than anything else. So um, yeah, big youth emphasis now. Um, youth has really taken off over the last six to 12 months because yep. we pushed for it. Um, and then sport rehab is is about to explode yeah. now. And you're heading up that, right? Yeah, yeah. I kind of oversee the the athlete, the senior athletic performance side of things as well as the the sport rehab. Yep. Um, yeah. Is what's the general makeup of your clients? Do you have a lot of niche of one, or is there kind of mixed? I know it's quite mixed, but what does yeah. it have like an area where you I would say specialize in, or just because you come from those backgrounds, it's kind of what you guys do? Yeah, probably our biggest streams um, to this point have been basketball. Yep. Because um, Mitch Craze is is heavily involved or has been heavily involved in basketball and still is um, tennis. Because yep. Ryan Plavin is was a tennis coach yep. before he became a strength and conditioning coach. So um, those were kind of kind of the two footholds we found early, mm-hmm. um, both from those two being involved in those sectors as well as kind of sport coaches that we started to develop relationships with. Um, so they've continued strong, and then obviously my background in in Aussie rules. That more bled into kind of the um, rehab side of things. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, from there, we've kind of added a few other sports starting to take off in kind of like combat. Um, also, and we've tried to like breach the netball and soccer markets as well. So, yep. 
Yeah, very, very mixed. Yeah. yeah. Is there an area you want to branch into or is an area you're currently looking at from like th- a business point of view? I want, uh, like I think netball and, yeah. and soccer Huge. to continue to push into that. We've, we're probably at the stage where we've got maybe four or five from each. Yep. Um, and we think if we can, yeah, breach that a little bit further. They're, they're two markets that don't traditionally have um, a lot of strength and conditioning you focus. It. You can say it. <laughs> um, tend to get a lot of their input from F45 or body fit partnerships. Yeah, um, so, yeah, both from where we think we can really help those sports yeah. as well as, um, yeah, they're just big markets. Yeah, 100%. So. It's, such a, it's such a huge, like, area for growth that, especially in, like, a lot of the stuff we do, there's not really those big rocks that you can kind of tap into. And I, th- I, I agree with like that netball soccer, like there's so much untapped potential in that oh. sporting environment that just is so powerful that it just doesn't get done. Yes. And we're Western suburbs. Yeah. So soccer is soccer just is huge. massive. Yeah. Um, so we, we do have a couple of soccer specific facilities yeah. around us. Yeah. Cool. But I mean, with the amount of soccer athletes there are there, football athletes, sorry, football athletes. Ooh, um, yeah, see, I don't work with any <laughs> soccer football. Yeah. But I can um, understand where that comes from. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that'll, that'll be big moving forward, I think. Yeah. What about yourself? What do you do away from work? So obviously today, we our topic for today for those listening will be, obviously if you haven't read the title, will be like systemizing and approaching field-based rehab or return to play. And what that looks like. So that's what we're going to dive into a little bit later. But a lot of today's conversation, obviously Mitch and I are in the same field, so it's easy to talk talk shop, I guess you could say. And yep, and get carried shit, away. Yeah, talk shit and go down tangents. <laughs> and I've already warned Mitch that it's a podcast, you can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> um, but what about away from sport life? What's what's life look like for you? Life, uh, we, me and my partner recently moved to Altona. Yep. Um, so we're currently settling into that area. We were in Yarraville, so we're full west now. Um, and so how... Like our day-to-day life has kind of changed a fair bit now. Yep. We're able to kind of go for morning walks down near the beach um, and, and even Cherry Lake's really close as well. So awesome. it's been a really nice move. Yep. It's a lot quieter, feels a lot more suburbsy, but it's still really close to the city. So um, that's been really good. Um, and then I've also made the move. Um, I, st- I still play Aussie rules, still play footy myself. Um, so I spent... From under 12s, under 13s at the one footy club up until last year at, yeah. at Knox, where I grew up. So I finally made the move out to Altona Footy Club, um, which has been really refreshing. Yeah, rum- rumor I'm has really it got headhunted, actually. <laughs> <laughs> rumor has it they just kind of dropped the bag on the table and said, oh, we want you. Uh, that's 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 not exactly what happened, <laughs> I don't think. I probably just, yeah, badgered the coach until he took me in. So, um, But no, it's been really refreshing, really nice. good. It's kind of going back up a divisional two. So the stand is really high of training, which is a lot more enjoyable awesome. and um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to a, a bit of a fresh start from from yeah. that point of view. Well, I was giving me my next question. What are, you, what are you looking forward to? So obviously, there's so much that you are involved in, and so much exciting stuff you're doing, yeah. both personally, business wise, but also in your own profession. Yep. What's a few things you're kind of looking forward to? Not necessarily just this year. I know we're early into the year, but the next kind of two, three, four, five years. What's what's exciting for you? <sighs> too, too many things. Too many things. Do you like that? Um, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, I, I'm I'm loving my thirties. Yeah. Like just. Yeah, relishing it. Um, I think it's really, yeah, really, really cool phase of life that that I'm in at the moment, and and I'm enjoying it. Um, and like, there's so many things like both professionally and privately that I'm that I'm looking forward to. One is like me and my partner going to Europe for four weeks in in May June. So see Tyler when he goes over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I was over there in 2014, 2015. So it's the last time I was overseas. So yeah. I'm looking forward to getting back over there. Um, I'm looking forward to like. AFW season kicking off again. Looking forward to little things like hiring our next junior athletic performance coach. Yeah. Um, I'm diving into um, 
I'm finally doing um, reflex, reflexive performance reset, RPR. Yeah, cool. Level one awesome. course, yeah. which I'm really excited about as well. Nice. Um, something I've had my eye on for four to five years yeah. and thought oh, it might be a bit too voodoo, but <laughs> I've thought oh, I'll take the plunge and see how it goes. So, yeah, yeah nice. there's yeah, heaps of things. Yeah, I love, yeah. That. I love that. What's um, what's on the horizon? What's what's now? What's for you now? What's now? Um, it's kind of a weird time of the year for us, hey? It is. It is. It, it's it's less weird than it normally is, though. Um, yeah. Normally, like, it's just four or five months of, of no women's footy. Yeah. Um, and I've just usually have just, like, a little off-season crew that, that just train their ass off for, yeah. for four to five months. But I'm actually at the club two, two nights a week, so it's been really good to kind of get frequent touch points with the girls um, over there, which has been great. Yeah. Um, but it's meant that I'm more busy this yeah. time of year than all, which you know is a bit of a catch twenty two. But yeah. it's but it's nice. Um, but between that um, and MFP, like yeah, we, we've had t- ten really strong applicants for our junior junior AP coach position. So looking forward, we've never actually um, put a job out out. Yeah, cool. For a coach, it's just kind of fall fall that way. Yeah, we've yeah. we've just had um, six really really consistent coaches for yep. since we since we started basically. So um, yeah, it'd be fun to add a, a new younger um, <laughs> coaching in the mix and, yeah, and and see how they go. Yeah, cool. Is it is it what what void are you trying to get them to fill? Um so we spoke a little bit about this lunch, but what's the you bring on another new coach which is young and exciting and not that you guys are old by any any means, but yeah. it is kinda in a way the next generation, I guess, yep. of coach. Like what's what's the most exciting part of that and what are you excited to teach them and let them kind of grow into if they want to to an extent as well? Yeah, I think it's kind of that sweet spot between interns. You're you're really um, trying to fill gaps that haven't been filled through undergrad and show them what real life as a coach is yeah. like. So it's kind of that rude awakening for them. So I'm looking forward to kind of people like someone coming in that's kind of already been through that. Yeah. They know what they're in for. They know what they want to do, um, and we can kind of have a little brother or sister um, on side of the facility yeah. and kind of go, you know, bit of energy. Bit of energy, yeah, like just just thrilled to be there, thrilled to be working yeah. with athletes, and um, just hungry. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that a lot of junior coaches want. They they want athletes, and I think yeah. for you guys in particular, now you've like really niched into that athletic side of things. And I mean the sporting population out that way is massive, huge. Yeah, There's so much to tap into that I'd be pretty excited if I were them. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure ten people will tell us that they're excited yeah, for yeah. it for sure. So we'll, yeah, we'll see who gets what's it. What's your uh, what's your application process look like? Um, so we've, we've just been through, um, the physio. Yep. Um, that physio hiring process probably only Tash? three months ago. Yeah. yeah Tash cool. Nedden, who's been fantastic since she come on. Um, so it'll, it'll be quite similar in the past. We probably, we got too attached to one or two applicants early based on, uh, either recommendation from someone else or resume CV Yep. and kind of discarded the rest and went, Boom! Let's just interview those one or two. Sure. Physio, we went okay. Let's let's really do our um, due diligence and, and go after four or five. Yep. Make him do um, like a, a practical segment, face to face interview. Write us a program before you come in, yep, um, and all that sort of stuff. So it'll be pretty similar, um, which is great because you kind of get a, a little bit of an insight into in all different facets. Yeah. Um, but above all, we just want someone that yeah we're going to get along really well with day to day that's hungry to learn because um, we can fill in the gaps from, from all the other yeah. 
Yeah, a few points. Yeah, I love it. What What do you do really well at MFP? What's your strength? Yeah, I, I think our strength our strength is um, like energy, vibe, um, energy, vibe, and just really pushing athletes to to be better, not just from a in the gym standpoint, but outside life yep. as well. Um, which is really cool. I think it's it's very easy to get people strong in the gym. You know, it's 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 pretty simple once you've been in the industry for for a, for a fair while. But actually, being interested and invested in your athletes and and guiding them with you know things like sleep, nutrition, all that sort of stuff, but not telling them what to do. Yeah, guiding them just is them very the very different. Make their own good decisions, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're just kind of planting seeds and hoping that they um, pick up and. And, and start to implement some of those things themselves because, yeah, you can tell people as much as you want, but it doesn't mean that they're going to actually do it. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think those things we do really well. And then I'm, I'm biased, I think, like our, our sport rehab side of things is just yeah. phenomenal yeah. for, for a, private, a private setting. Yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, we're, it's about to explode, um, which will be interesting because we'll have to scale up what we do right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the system that we have at the moment by providing access to field as well as gym and all that sort of yeah. stuff, I think sets us apart from a from a sport rehab foundation. Yeah, 100%. And from the outside looking in, look, I haven't actually been down there. I will make the trip up, don't worry. <laughs> like that's something that I really envy about what you guys do is you do that really, really well. And it's not something that lots of people do do well, hence, which is what I want to talk about with mm. a little bit later on, like systemizing and approaching field-based training, not even just yeah. return to play. I know that that is highly specific to you from like a return to play perform side of things but just generally improving those athletic abilities like that's huge yes you know we have the conversation of strength and conditioning as well as strength and its conditioning as different aspects and i think you can even branch that out into when we're talking about field-based versus gym-based and that's again that's another different area and i think that's i know from the outside looking in like something i really envy that you guys do and it's something that you do really really well it's it's great i love it yeah it's it and it's probably not a smart business decision because you could have two coaches in the gym, yeah. more people in the gym, and and financially you're better sure. off. But from a service point of view, yeah. I, I tell you what, you just can't get the same results, um, particularly from a rehab point of view. But we think even more so, yeah, from a performance point of view as well. So, and and going back to your your strength and conditioning point of view, we deliberately made the decision to call our coaches athletic performance coaches, yeah, because we feel that that term encompasses much more of what we do and doesn't pigeonhole us yep. into two very, very specific areas yeah. of athletic development. Huge, yeah. um, we also didn't want to go athletic development because it, we feel that um, that kind of pigeonholes us with junior or youth. Yep. We felt that athletic performance encompasses all of those areas, but then also allows for um, areas such as like tactical SNC as well, like yep. fires and all that sort of stuff yeah, to still that. feel like they can come and, and get coached by us as well. Um so yeah, we'll, I, we'll stand by that name, that name choice. I think it's it's much better, and um, I, I would be trying to have that conversation at Hawthorne very soon. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I mean from a value point of view, as you said before, like getting someone strong is it's not hard to be fair, and especially when you've been involved in it for so long, like running strength programs, power programs, like that's water off a duck's back. Like it's quite easy, and a lot of people can do that really, really well. Yep. Whereas I don't think a lot of people can write field based sessions well, full stop at all. Mm. and you know having knowing that you that's what something that you guys do really well i mean from the outside as i said before like that's something that i really really value and like if i have anyone out <laughs> that way like i'm i'm sending you away for that reason it's 
it's something that from an athletic ability point of view, it's way more valuable for the most part than getting someone strong. I think, yep. at least, because, you know, your opponent doesn't care how strong you are. It's whether you can get away from them and around them and yeah. up and down and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, and can you apply that strength quicker than the person next to you? Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's one do you have it. It's another thing. How do you utilize that or how do you use it? Um, which I think, yeah, is super undervalued. For sure. Or and not it, even... I don't think it's undervalued, actually, now I think about it. I don't think it's something that's undervalued. I think it's something that doesn't get taught that well. Correct. It's two it's scary. Coaches. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's scary as a young coach. And white. It's not no, black and white. Because to, to sprint someone is scary Yeah. when you're a junior coach. Yeah. You automatically think, I don't want to hurt this person. Yeah. Um, how, how do you get over, or how did you, or how do you get over that hurdle potentially with your coaches? And there's there's two ways you get thrown into the fire, <laughs> which Josh Milner did to me at Carlton. Um, <laughs> yeah. Basically, when I came on board, he's like, "You're not just a rehab coordinator; you're a performance preparation coordinator, <laughs> whatever the fuck that means." But, um, so part of that was on field speed agility, speed agility and quickness. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, from there it was like, okay, I have to learn this to not look like a a phony yeah. um, and, and apply it pretty quickly. So it was dive into the content or whatever I could find um, and then practice myself, which is I feel like is the biggest step that people don't do yeah. um, and, and probably why people end up hurting people yeah. and then just avoid it altogether. Um, and then, yeah, just, just try and start to apply it. I, I think coming from a rehab background helped because – being in a rehab setting, you're naturally very risk averse. Mm-hmm. So when I had to start applying this stuff, I was also very risk averse. Sure. Yep. It, it probably took me way too long to actually expose people to maximal effort sprinting yep. than what it than what it does now. Sprinting compared to high velocity running is slightly different. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, probably dive too much on the on the drilling and the technical side of things. Um, yeah, without getting straight to like the performance enhancing stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know you got to start somewhere and, and you build the foundations and naturally you just get better and better at it over time. So yeah. What are some valuable resources you tapped into early on? Um, we did uh, Exos's um, the the point one of a second difference course. Yes, I think it was. Yep. Another one to talk about. It, it was it was great. Yeah. It just basically goes here's a bunch of drills that we get your athlete quicker for a combine, which had nothing to do with us, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we just wanted the drills. Yeah. Um, it's something that they're really good at. That's what they do. Exactly, yeah. and it was phenomenal. We picked up some great stuff. Um, and then from a from more of a, a broader overview point of view, um, we looked at like we did. I think the old Altus, not the Need for Speed course. We did. It was one of their COVID webinar yeah, series can, or something. I can picture it. I yeah, it was called the. So we did we did that, and that was great from like a conceptual point of view. Yeah. Um, and then what else did we do? And then. I think a year or two later, we looked at um, Play had their like online learning yep. platform for a bit there, and Gary Schofield did a a change direction agility course, and that was phenomenal. Yeah, like, I, me- I remember I did it. So good, right? Yeah, highly, like, highly valuable. Oh, and it's gone now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Can't find it anywhere. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was actually looking for it the other day. Uh, I was putting together a presentation to do it to a school, and yep. I was like, oh, you know, great little resource. Go back and try and find it. Couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah, vanished. Shit, why didn't I save this stuff? We found one guy on YouTube that like just ripped off and just recorded a heap of his exercises. On, on, I um, mean, we're coaches. That's what we do. Right? <laughs> oh, exactly. Uh, look, let's be real. We probably haven't had an original idea. Not a chance. Maybe a few. Ah, just good thieves. Yeah, great Good, thieves. honest thieves. Honest, yeah, yes. Absolutely. 
don't claim to create anything. No. That's the biggest thing. Um, so that was great. That was really good. And that was very, that, that was directed at a high school level. Yep. Um, so again, very, very foundational, but so applicable, particularly in rehab, like bridging the gap between yep. actually exposing people to, you know, full-blown change direction agility and how to kind of bridge that gap. So um, those those were three big ones. Um, I'm definitely missing one or two, but yep. you know what? The first program, the first one we did was me and Mike bought a program off Nathan Keeley. Oh, yeah. Uh, it would have been 20, maybe 2018 or 2019. Yep. And yeah, we bought a, a three-day three-day speed program off him. Yeah, yeah. And it was basically just Axel theme day, yeah. Max V's um, theme day, and then a COD. Yeah. And it was great. We just went and did that, played around with some drills. Um, he was quite good at just messaging back if we didn't know what something was. Yeah, meant. he's good with that stuff. Um, pretty tapped in. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, we just kind of went from there. What do you uh, what did you find the most valuable, not necessarily content-specific stuff, mm-hmm. but the way that those resources set it up? Like, what did you find or take away from that going, hey, this is like from a foundational point of view to look at and go, yeah, I think I can input this kind of stuff. Uh, very, very progressive. Yeah. Just, it was clearly written by strength and conditioning coaches who had picked up uh, methods or philosophies from track and field coaches and systemized it the way that speaks our language. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we we could sit down and go, okay, what's our progression towards a, a back squat or a front squat or yeah. whatever it is. You do it with your eyes closed. Oh, Don't even you could fill that whiteboard over there with, yeah. with a million progressions, you know, yep. based on whatever you wanted to. And it was kind of similar. It was like, okay, you know, how do I build towards a, a 20 meter acceleration effort? Um, what are the drills that, I think improve that. Yep. Um, and then here you go. This is the sequence that you put them in. Yep. It was brilliant um, because, yeah, it's one of those things that conceptually or, or theoretically you, you look at that stuff and until you feel it, you don't know. No. There's no way to know. Yeah, and I, that's something I really, really try and instill in our interns here is get yourself out of the gym. First, yeah. first get yourself in the gym because that's a nice, easy, really clean place to start because – it's easier. Yeah. But also like get yourself outside, like sprint, run, like run fast, like not just like run fast, but sprint. Yeah. Cause there's a difference. Wake up the next day and have your hip flexors absolutely <laughs> torched and yeah. go, what the hell? That session took me 30 minutes. Yeah. I feel, I felt fresh as. Yeah. And it's you've got to understand things. how aggressive that stuff is. It's one of those things, as you said before, you, you don't know until you know. And me yep. coming from a bit of a track background, like it's, I pick things up a little bit easier in that aspect. And, yep. You know, I've done some pretty grueling track sessions and sprint sessions, but also, know what it feels like to run fast. Not that I can do that much anymore. Yeah. A bit washed up, a bit retired. But <laughs> like some of my interns, like I don't care if you're not going to go play sport, but if you're someone who wants to work in performance at all, full stop, whether that's with weekend warriors, whether that's with endurance, whether that's with team sport, you need to know what some of this stuff feels like. Yep. And everyone always harps on, hey, get yourself in the gym, get yourself under a bar, etc. Like pick up a deadlift, know what that feels like. But I think, again, everyone forgets that field-based side of things is for sure sport is field-based for the most part or court-based or anything like that it's it's moving your body through space it's not picking up a bar off the ground no no absolutely <laughs> yeah it's where it's where you can literally apply what you're working on in the gym and feel it in in real life sporting movement yeah and then go and apply it yep. in, in a sporting context yeah what do you uh what do you find most valuable from you own personally, besides feeling what it kind of feels like, but you getting out there and trying different things, what are some things you pick up on while you're doing it? Um, yeah, so many things. Like from, I'm, I'm coming at it from a point of like, how do you coach it? Like from what are the little things like you pick up when you're doing it? You go, oh, I didn't think I'd actually realize that. Yes. Is there any, some general concepts or things that you feel while you're doing the field-based sessions? You go, 
Didn't think that was going to happen. Yes. Um, I think the the first layer for me was the timing coordination yeah. side of things sure. um, and how hard that can be to start off with yeah. but how quickly the learning effect can be mm-hmm. with that side of things. Um, and then how much that bled into and this is one of the benefits of still playing sport myself, yeah. is how much, how quickly that bled into my sport, um, which, you know, it, it, again, it's local footy, but you, you feel the difference. Yeah. Um, and, and how that's accumulated over um, kind of my footy career has has been, yeah, quite amazing to watch yeah. and, and why I believe in that side of things so much. Um, so I think that, but then also from a nervous system point of view, like, again, everything... One of the biggest things I harp on with our interns, coaches, and all that sort of stuff is, is we're training the nervous system. We're not training muscles, yep. and it, it sounds so simple, but it's just something that can be so easily forgotten when you're thinking movement patterns or muscle, mm-hmm. muscle-based programming. Yep. So, it, it literally supercharges your nervous system, so you can get more out of out of everything else. Yeah, Mike Boyle call, calls it the ultimate power exercise, yeah. and you can do it multiple times a week. Yep. Like so, I think I think those two things, from a rehab point of view. I think understanding um, the the position specific uh, the position specific strength that you can build up, yeah. both globally and 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 isolated. Um, I saw that there was a link between um, the the gym and and the field based on that, particularly in rehab. So, like we we use basic things like um, wall holds, yep. um, like doing cutting shapes and, and crossover shapes and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff on the hole uh, on the wall in rehab. From day dot. Yeah. And you would walk in uh, and if you don't explain the significance to the athlete, they're kind of like, why am, I, why am I doing this? Yep. But they feel it. Once they get back onto the, onto, onto the field, they're building up, you know, position-specific strength through the foot-ankle complex, through the knees, starting to get exposure to those gentle rotation forces mm-hmm. before you're even taken to the field. So they've, they've actually done return to running stuff yeah. four to eight weeks before they've even started to think about running. You can't put a price on that. Yeah, and I have this conversation a few times. More athletes are coming here than I do at St Kilda, but I say to some, sometimes getting injured is the best thing you can do because <laughs> it teaches you, it t- takes you back to a foundational level that you learn all these things that you're never, ever going to get taught. Like, yep. if you go through your whole career and not get injured, great, fantastic, very, very jealous of you, but God, it's good to get injured sometimes because yep. you get that exposure, which you don't normally get. 100%. And and you've got the, the cognitive space and energy to actually absorb the information that yeah. the coaches are, are giving you without thinking about your own performance on game day, training day, looking at footage, trying to fit into tactical systems and all that sort of stuff. You're able to actually absorb the education side of things from a, a performance training and lifestyle yeah. point of view, which is going back to um, the AFW, now that can actually be involved through off-season, I can't talk to them about you know making sure they're having protein every day or, or stuff like that in yeah. season. They're, they're already overloaded it's and overwhelmed. To think about. They got five or six weeks before they're into practice matches. <laughs> they don't want to hear me talk no. about the importance of getting your elbows up in a front squat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <I> love that. <laughs> five to six months of clear time and space where I can yeah. go through that is, is such magic. a great and rehab is exactly that. Such a great time for development of so yeah. many different qualities. Yeah, you mentioned it before. How do you how do you sell your athletes on the importance of this stuff? when they just want to come in and lift or they want to come and run fast. Like what's, how do you, how do you get it across the line, I guess? To those that aren't necessarily receptive to it to start with, maybe. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think nowadays we attract a lot of people who come because of that. Yeah. yeah. So I probably don't have to sell it sure. anywhere near as much as what I used to at MFP. Yep. Um, Hawthorne 
yeah, Hawthorne is a different ball game. Yeah. Um, Carlton, they got very used to it. Sure. Um, it yeah, being again, a really key component. Here, that's what I kind of picked up as well. Absolutely. And and that's because Josh valued it so much, yep. um, which is which is critical and and Liv Knowles values it heaps as well, yep. which which is great. So um, they've they've all bought in, but they're still learning how to do it. Yeah, they they do it. They're very good at ticking boxes yep. and doing stuff consistently, but they they still don't quite understand the intensity mm. with which to bring to those sorts of drills and, and exercises um, to actually get the most out of it. Because um, it, it is a very different thing to train, yeah, versus the gym. Yep. First oh, yeah. one to three years in the gym, slow, controlled, learn learn your tempos, learn your positions. Like it's not until a while later that you're learning to lift with intent, yeah. um, unless they're a very very good lifter and and yeah, you're accelerating pretty quickly. Whereas speed stuff, it's like I oh, know I need you quick and bouncy and yeah. you know, yeah, it's it's different. In in what way? You, what's the process for you trying to combat that for the next what for preseason potentially now or off season now? What how how are you trying to accumulate that? Uh, I'm trying to get the girls in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is step number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, uh, again, I think having the private um, the private experience gives me a leg up on probably other coaches in yep. terms of getting them in. Um, so, like, creating little little groups um, on, on Microsoft Teams and stuff like that and just drip-feeding information or, like, hey, we're going to test, you know, a counter-movement jump, which is going to allow us to do X, Y, Z yep. for your next block. Like, giving incentives to come in and actually train with you. Um, that's step number one. Yeah. Once I can get um, the girls in consistently is, is to just get them in there. And then from there, uh, I just just need to coach the hell out of it um, and, and just get them used to the rhythm aspect and the timings aspect um, of, of that athletic development section. Um, and I think once I've got these timing gates in, yeah. um, which are hopefully coming in the next month, I'll, I'll hopefully be able to show them um, what it looks like, what it looks like, and, and why it's important. Um, because yeah, from a GPS standpoint, it's yeah, you can show the max V, but how much does max V tell the story? Probably yeah, not that much. It's not as representative, I don't think. Exactly. So I'm looking forward to that, um, and then looking forward to just microdosing a bit more education as we go along in yeah. from from why it's important in in different scenarios. Yeah. Is there obviously your Hawthorne was your first year program, or was a first year program? Yeah. Is there anything that you notice potentially from the girls that are new to an AFL program that you probably haven't been experienced to before necessarily? Is there some common deficits or things that they're lacking that you may have noticed? And this obviously goes for your time at Carlton too, but those that are coming out of, I'm thinking like 16, 17s, 18s, NAB League, something that they, if they're listening to this, can go, mm, I think this is a pretty good idea I need to tap into that I might be struggling with. Is there something they come to you with that's deficient or some common trends you might notice? Or they just don't know how to do potentially. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think if you ask me this in in another year's time, I'll have a much much better answer. Um, it was kind of a weird period, which which you know where yeah. we kind of only got access to those freshies um, that late. were still at school, yeah. real late, and then only um, once or twice a week. So yeah, the amount that I get to s- or got to see them versus the other ones was was very different. Um, and I think that um, it, it's probably a bit skewed in the fact that our list manager and, and recruiting team probably went after some athletically gifted nice. players. Yeah. So, nice. yeah, probably lucky. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think a lot of them are starting to get 
taught how to lift better earlier, which is great. Yep. Um, and are taught in kind of they're being taught what it kind of takes to be a professional athlete. So they're kind of coming in with a bit more of that mindset earlier yep. than some of the other girls. Um, but yeah, from a deficit deficit's point of view, um, even from like a yeah, movement, not sure. movement point of view, like is there anything you even like we're talking about foot ankle like complex that the positioning anything around that kind of space that they just haven't been exposed to potentially? I, th- I think, yeah, I think the majority haven't been exposed to much of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, not not much. Um, and it, and if they have, it's it's probably like, you know, really skip, really simple things like A march, A skip, A run, and then sprint. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah, I'll come back to you with, with something. There. I'll, I'll mark a date down. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's one of those things that, I know the the programs are part of NAB League and schools and stuff now, especially for female AFW. Obviously, it's really relevant for us. They're getting like way better than what they were, mm. but I still think, and this is again why we're talking about this today, is that field based side of just being able to move fast is something that I think that unless you come from a track background or you go to a school that has a pretty good track program, you don't really get taught that. You either naturally got it, but there's no progression to get better at it to mm-hmm. an extent. Um, and I even think for like a lot of our girls that we get in for first year and like potentially coming from VFW programs, like they are taught to lift and yep. some of them come in like moderately pretty strong, like oh, so nice. It's a nice yep. change. Uh, but again, I think it's that moving your own body through space that that's still a little bit lacking. Big time. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, we're, I'm lucky that I've got a direct view into the NAB league side of things. Um, so Dave Anstis, who works with us, yep. is the HPM at Northern Knights cool. met with the boys. Yep. And then Michelle Andrews, um, my girlfriend's sister, is yep. the HPM with the girls yes. at Northern Knights. Yep. So watching those programs almost double their investment mm. for That's the awesome. women's program and, and match the men's or the boys... Yeah, that'll be game-changing yeah, in huge. terms of developing the, the girls moving forward. Yeah. So, yeah, w- we will reap yeah. the rewards of that. If, um, if we're still there. <laughs> yeah, if we're still there. Yeah, if we don't get the arse next week. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, I reckon let's, let's dive into some systems and some processes because, I think again, that's something that's highly value, valuable that you do quite well. When you are starting out, wh- where do you start? So I know it's a big, broad question, but what's what's the thing you get directed to to start with when we're yeah. talking about field-based training? Field-based training, are we talking rehab, performance? Maybe maybe each, or each? if they're kind yeah. of similar. Like what's... Um, maybe let's start with rehab, because I yeah. think that's, that's foundation, that's fundamental. Yeah, Re- rehab is... is um, yeah, from from the from day dot, we are getting them to do some form of, of athletic development section. Um, what's that look like? It literally will just look like wall holds on their unaffected side um, straight away. Yep. So they're just doing isometric holds. Um, we typically just hit an acceleration-based position, yep. um, a, a cut-based position, and a crossover-based position yep. um, if they can tolerate all three of those those positions. Um, and then they'll go straight into basically an upright sprint, yep. um, three-position wall cycle. Yep. Oh, um, yep. Again, whether they can do that unaffected side or affected side from from the start, or whether they bleed into it as, as they get healthier, um, yeah, it's kind of where it goes from there. Yep. And then um, it's it's basically as as tolerated or as yep. guided by physio. So um, we will get them from there working like basic hip lock positions. Um, we'll get them um, like into dribbling as soon as we can. Yep. Like 
as soon as we can. How good, um, how good can you dribble? How good can I dribble? Yeah. I've, I've done them to death. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's <laughs> one of those things you need to murder to actually work it out. Yeah, exactly. Um, For anyone who does not know what dribbling is or hasn't <laughs> done it before, please go try it because yeah. you know what we're talking about. Yeah. It's not this form of dribbling. No. <laughs> it's, it's very, very different. And that's normally what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we basically, we have um, like our, our return to running protocol. Um, and by return to running protocol, I mean return to dribbling protocol, sure. basically. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that, that involves, can they tolerate impact mm-hmm. on that affected side? And can they hit the positions we need them to hit yep. on that side? Um, Do you so, have metrics or things you look at for those two specific things? No. Nah, the, like the like physio and, and Dave will both have a look at, sure. at the testing point of view. Um, I have been doing it by feel sure. yeah, no. for the vast majority of, of uh, my career so far. I'm lucky now that I'm going to have the data to back that up, which is going to be great. Um, but I kind of, I, I don't envy coaches coming up who are going to have to rely on data from early on. 100%. And not be able yeah. to develop the feel. Feel yeah. Um, and we were talking about this over lunch. Like yeah, feel, feel that's a whole different. <laughs> can't teach feel. Kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, Let's not dive that. No, that's nah. a podcast in itself. Exactly. Um, so, like, that's that's literally as simple as just going through. Like, we might go through a, a tall to short progression yep. of like, can you hit double leg split stance single leg? And I'm talking like two to three reps of each. Okay. Yep. Can you do it? Sure. Um, and then we go through like our our wall um, max velocity drill with can you actually get the knee flexion position required to, yep. to do an ankle shin or knee dribble. And we kind of go based off, off where they're at from there. Um, so like within people always ask me like, when do you get like an ACL back to back to return to run? And it's kind of such a fluid process that often I forget to celebrate the first actual run. Yeah. Um, I go, Oh yeah, you just did a, yeah, you, you, you ran for the first time kind of, even though you're running sort of, four weeks kind of, ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I just think the value in, in training whatever the affected joint or muscle is in those positions from day dot um, allows for a really smooth transition um, from a coordination-based standpoint um, back to when they are actually able to back, get back and run. Yep. Um, yeah. What's, I have no you, idea if that answered your question. Or no, not. no, no, absolutely. It's, I think a lot of people understand to an extent like the re- return to run protocol and what that looks like, but I think they miss the starting point. I think they go straight into your, your A marches and your bit of hopping and things like that and yes. miss the impact control and things you were talking about, which I'm glad you brought up because I'm trying to lead you down that path. Okay, great. <laughs> but no, perfect. And I think when we're talking about, you know, returning someone back into uh, squatting anything, like yeah. we can do that with our eyes shut. But again, field-based stuff, I think it's kind of voodoo science to a lot of people. They're too scared of it because yeah. a lot of them haven't been exposed to it, to be fair. Well, you have to have time in the trenches to actually understand. And you have to have made mistakes. Yeah, yeah, fuck it up. Yeah, exactly, to to, to get the feel or develop the feel. Yeah. Um, and you talk about impact. Impact is huge. Yeah. Massive. Impact is massive. Like, yeah. depending on what you're coming back from, like, the difference between doing an A-march for, let's say, uh, an ankle, coming back from an ankle sprain versus coming back from a, um, a quad strain. Yeah. Two completely different things. Mm-hmm. Like, where you put that drill... It's, it might not be that much different, but it also could be very different. Yeah, yeah. That was actually a nice little segue there. What's what changes depending on the injury? Yeah. What, which way do you shift? Yeah. To an extent, I, I talk a lot um, to our guys about how the the athletic development space or the speed, agility, quickness timeline doesn't change too much um, in rehab. Um, it, it's just probably you, you start off with a lot more 
um, like max velocity based drilling um, and and tip that to the start versus a lot of the acceleration like mm-hmm. yep. uh, base work. Um, but again, it's so de- so dependent on the injury. Like um, like Jordan Mendigucia does some fantastic stuff on on early early um, acceleration drilling post hamstring strain because um, he just views it as such a safe space to get that work in. Yep. Um, versus, yeah, coming back from from an ACL and, and looking more at, at ground reaction forces through the knee, yep. um, starting off with very, very ankle-dominant um, work because we know that has a really good protective factor um, on, on the knee joint and we can get some good work in there early. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it just cha- it, it changes a lot, but it also doesn't change that much, which, yeah. is, which is a terrible answer. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Because <laughs> no, it's right and it's... And it's one of those things that people want the black and white. But yeah. when we're talking about, especially rehab, like rehab is never black and white. No. As much as even training itself, like as much as we want to clear to find start and finish, you're never going to get it. No. And, you know, you'll have this. And I'm sure you answer a lot of questions similar to me. It's, it depends. Like that's, yeah. And lots of people get frustrated by the answer. It depends. Well, you just need time in. That's what we keep coming back to is you need to get exposure to the different things to understand what the outcome is. Yep. And you can't unless you actually stick your head down and ass up and, okay, you're going to, there are going to be certain situations where you get exposed to this, which is very lucky, and you're going to yep. get somewhere, you, you're going to get an injury you've never had before. And as you said, sometimes you've got to trial things. For sure. And this is what it comes back to, the systems and processes around, this is where we start typically, and then we're going to shift left or right depending on what's in front of us. Yep. And I think, again, it's one of those undervalued things is people don't know where to start. We know our agility progressions. We know our like running progression. We know them to death. But it's the impact control. It's the smaller stuff that is foundational that pays off big time in yep. return. And I think, as I said before, it's something that's highly valued that is undervalued to an extent that it's missed. Mm. And I think what my next question is going to be is like, when you're, let's say you're, hey, Deacon comes to you and say, hey, Mitch, I want you to put together a, a unit on field base training. What do you start with? How are you going to teach that? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had this question preloaded before we even started because yeah. it's something I think that, you know, tapping into how you think about this stuff and I can see your brain working over <laughs> there. Yeah, it's so good. I'm going to zoom in on that later. Because <laughs> it's one of those things that there's so many places to start with. Yeah. And for young coaches, it's something that ugh, I couldn't recommend highly or high enough. Uh, physiology. Yeah. Physiology. Mm. Um, I think the unit... That was the question. What, yeah. If I had to develop a yeah. unit, yeah. If you're going to start a unit or start be, a program, what's it, it? It would be yeah, physiology and and looking at, at sporting movement and going okay, how do we yeah how do we train that? Yeah. And yeah, a big component of that is is yeah speed agility quickness training. Um, yeah, and and then from there, like it, it would just be so heavily practical. <laughs> So <laughs> like, fun though, yeah. yeah, and and I hope that you all injure yourselves at least once throughout the unit, yeah. Um, because what you can learn from hurting yourself doing some of this stuff is just worth its weight in gold. Yeah, because then you have to work around wh- however you've hurt yourself and you, bring yourself back yeah. to you quote unquote normal. Back. You never come back as a worse mover, ever. There's a reason for that. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I mean, like. So we, we run our, our need for speed workshop, um, which is designed to be one. quite flat about that actually. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's yeah we love it. It's it's really great, and it kind of brings it basically brings all the stuff that we've stolen from every other good coach yep. into kind of like one one day or one bundle, um, and yeah, we just roll people through 
just over and over again practical examples of things but then always bring it back to kind of the, the theory side of things yeah. and I think we we try and do a really good job job of I always talk about zooming in and zooming out over and over again we do I think we do a really good job of zooming out and, and understanding and accepting that that speed itself people talk about game speed is such a highly complex and multifactorial thing that it's easy to get overwhelmed yep but at the end of the day, you can dial it back in and implement some really, really simple stuff and get really, really good results. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think if you... Like when I'm designing field-based sessions, um, like I'm thinking, okay, what what kind of theme does this day have or, or what are, what is the big rock that I'm hitting and how am I preparing the athlete to get the most out of that big rock? Yep. So um, like early on with our... Um, like developmental athletes or you one two athletes like uh, I like blocking or yep. theming the day sure um, again coming back from a, a motor control or motor learning point of view I don't want to overload them mm. with a, a mixed theme day yep. and try to teach them max V concepts Axel concepts yep. you know in the one session yep. um, so I like doing it that way either by doing like an acceleration themed block so you might be hitting that twice a week um, for like a four-week block or six-week block um, or having like Axel, Max V, COD um, yep. across the week. Um, and then later on, like uh, with like pure performance-based um, training in this space, like two, year two, year three, year four athletes, like that's when I feel like I can get some really good bang for my buck in terms of exposing them to more change direction, mm-hmm. agility, which realistically is acceleration yeah. work anyway. Yeah. So. I feel like everyone's really, really hung up on straight line speed and has been for the last little bit, which is great. Yeah. Like everyone needs to start somewhere. And if that's where you're starting, that's perfect because a lot of the concepts are very applicable to change direction agility. Mm-hmm. Um, but people are undervaluing the importance of, of change direction and agility. Yeah. Um, Do you think that comes back to your complexity again? Because straight line running is easy. Again, scary. Yeah. Because it is horrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah, 100%. Because it's, it's also... If you look at how some people train agility, it just looks chaotic as all hell. Yeah. And it looks like a space where people can get hurt and no one wants to end up with a hurt athlete at the end of their session. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, it comes back to how how bold you are and how willing to learn you are um, to try and implement that stuff. And then also having people above you that are giving you this like time, space and creative yeah. freedom to actually try stuff and you know say, mm-hmm. hey, if it doesn't work, that's fine. I'd rather you try it doesn't work and then because then you're going to make it better. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. How do you, do you microdose your week? Um, Forks mainly, not necessarily family pay stuff, but. Yeah, uh, we do. Yeah. We do. Um, so Wednesday nights um, was typically our, our max V exposure day mm-hmm. um, where we'd hit some form of um, fly or, yep. or max effort sprint. Um, Looking for total volume or just effort? Uh, we were trying to touch somewhere between 92 to 95% max V, yep. uh, like two to three out of four weeks, mm-hmm. every four weeks. Yep. Um, and again, it, it was a brand new program, so we didn't have existing data from course, people. Yeah. So I'm not patting myself on the back, but you know there was at least eight to nine um, kind of PBs or, or max V increases across the, the year and um, like no soft tissues directly related to those yeah. those exposures yeah. which yeah it was as good as we could hope for yeah. um yeah awesome how do you how do you go about planning and programming change direction agility what's your kind of progression not necessarily progression <laughs> yeah, yeah not necessarily yeah. progression of like yeah. where do you start where do you finish but yeah. 
What does kind of like one of those sessions look like to you when you're putting or writing it out from like a process point of view? Yeah. Um, we start with um, like post warm up, some like neural prep work. Um, we just find that the neural prep work is is just critical to bridging the gap between yawning, yeah. mobility, work, and actually life. the first yeah. couple of drills. Um, so we'll do some form of neural prep work, um, whether that's coordination ladder, fast feet work, quick hips, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, then we'll go into some form of pre-planned, um, pre-planned, uh, very basic movement um, that is going to form the foundation for the next more complex or chaotic drill. So that might be something as simple as like a lateral push-off, um, yep. band-resisted lateral push-off, um, like deceleration wheel drill, yep, um, awesome. yep. just really, really simple stuff like that um, to kind of, yeah, not just for the teaching component, but also for like a tissue prep yep. component as yep. well. Because um, again, this stuff's just so aggressive if you do it with, with intensity. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, it's one of those things that's harder than you think it is until Absolutely, you do it. Yeah. absolutely. Um, and then we'll go into some form of like uh, reaction-based um, agility drill, um, whether that's really simple like um, some form of mirror drill with the um, connecting mm-hmm. cord in between yep. where one person is trying to create space, one person is trying to close space yep. and, and break or keep the, keep the Velcro together yep. um, or... The other thing I'm really enjoying using at the moment is the um, Velcro tag yep. set yeah, yeah, as yeah. well, um, which is more of like, uh, can you in, in, invade or close space again? Um, so like we'll, we'll, do, we'll do that after we've done like, you know, a pre-planned drill, like a, a basic end drill, M yep. drill, um, some some curve curve running or yeah, basic stuff like that um, that bleeds quite nicely into, into the aggressive stuff. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Last question before we finish up with some questions from the crowds before you have to leave. What's, let's say you're at local, local sport. Yep. Even Div 3, Div 2. Yep. Trying to just train good qualities. You're, you're interning, you're volunteering, you just want some exposure. When we're talking about field-based things, what are some like key rocks you'd love to do at that level you think pay off big time? Yeah. Apart from just getting exposure to running fast. Yeah, that's something I think is, again, missed a little bit at local sport is running fast. That's mm. why you have so many blokes doing hamstrings and stuff like Yep. But let's say, yeah, I'm, I'm a second-year uni student. I'm going to volunteer in a – not Knox because I won't use Knox, but <laughs> Mornington. There you yeah. go, Mornington football. Yeah. I want to get my hands kind of involved in that. Where do you start? What are some things that – Yeah. First of all, what a place to start. Yeah, huge. Like, so much. Yeah. What a place to start, man. Get the, out of your own way The coaches that get it. to start – at local level versus interning at elite or sub elite. Yeah, chalk and cheese. 100%. Get in there, local. Yeah. Yeah, get your hands dirty. Make mistakes there. Have to. The yes, boys won't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably going to do it anyway. So yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah. You may as well a ticking time. You were handed a ticking time bomb. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. It's one of those things It's like, because a lot of those places don't have access to, to the gym, Yeah. what an impact you can have in terms of just building some baseline level of strength yeah. just with t- five to ten minutes of work post a warm-up like unreal Huge. i think unreal. it's one of those spaces that just you just need to get out of your own way and get dirty in because god it's so valuable yeah 100 percent. and you, you, you probably hate 30 percent of it mm. that's fine like yeah. you know you, yeah it, yeah exactly what you're going to get is far outweighs what what it's going to yeah, take away from your life um the big things would be like just nail the fundamentals uh like video 
as much as you can. So if you're just hitting really, really simple things, like you're just teaching them how to accelerate. So, you know, just going through basic things like two-point starts, half-kneeling starts, all that sort of stuff and going, okay, what are the positions I want them to hit? Knowing that it's not going to look anything (laughs) close to what you want it to look to. But if you can get even 2 to 5% improvement in in those guys yeah. uh, easy work once you get to the elite i also level. think it's such a great environment to just as we talked about at lunch just coach reps and see like yep. you're gonna see so many different things at local level that yeah. you see one guy that does it really well but you're gonna work out how to get that other guy closer to that yes and typically when you're moving into a sub elite elite environment they generally move pretty good that's why they're there yeah so you don't get the chance to break it right down to someone who moves who's a mechanomaniac just moves like shit <laughs> very yeah. rarely you get one of those because they're good enough what they do. That's why they're there. And I think, again, it's super valuable at a local sport level to get exposed to just different parts yeah. of the spectrum. But not only that, also how to organize the sessions. You talk about having that one person that's good. Mm. Man, you are going to rely on yeah. them <laughs> like hell yeah. to get out the front and demo everything that you don't want to demo because yeah. you're going to pop a calf because you didn't warm up <laughs> probably before the session. Or You know what I mean? Like You yeah. want to set a really good example. And, and this is, I think, one thing that I value a lot. Having done a lot of that stuff um, early on is I can demo the hell out of a lot of those drills and athletes are so visual that they will literally try and do it the exact same way that you do it. Yeah. So this works against me in the gym where I have just the worst ankles possible. Like I got no dorsiflexion. You so every time I go down into a squat, in <laughs> my heels are off the ground. Yeah. So the girls always go, oh, do you want me to keep my heels off the ground? I'm like, no, no, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> too literal, too literal. Yeah, so I'm trying to demo squats less and less in the gym. Um, but going back to that point, if you can get, yeah, your good athlete out there demoing what you want it to look like, yeah. chances are that the guys at the back of the line turned around at the last moment and goes oh okay I'm doing what that guy's doing yeah, they yeah. didn't listen to anything you nah. said before that so because nah, they don't care half time <laughs> no exactly so they're going to have a good movement example to, to practice from which is going to be great learning how to use that learning how to actually set up the grids so yeah. that no one runs into each other yeah um, so that people have got enough rest time um, starting to use constraints yeah. and like it's one of those harnesses like, like yeah someone sees that you someone sees it that you run it and they haven't done it before. Like, God, this runs so easy. It's like, no shit, because I fucked up 10 times before that. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And even simple thing is setting up grids and setting up cones that people yeah. just don't run into each other. No, 100%. Yeah. And I think, again, coming back to that local level, like, it's such a valuable place to do that stuff because if two guys butt heads, it doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, like, I think at that level, if if you can be just nailing the basics of pre-plan change direction, um, exposing them to some, to some acceleration and some, and some max velocity work. I'm talking like you could hit one drill, one effort post-warm-up, one drill, one effort on, on like you've got how long those local league seasons are like <laughs> so long, so long, 16 <laughs> to 18 yeah. games with bye weeks. Yeah. And then you've got preseason as well. So yeah. you've got a lot of time to experiment. Yeah. So you don't have to jam it all in there at once. Oh uh, yeah. I'd be trying to do that. Film it, watch it back, see how people move. Yep. What's the difference between the good movers and the not so good movers? Yep. And then also have a look at oh, actually, but that not so good mover is actually a best player. Yeah. So putting so, it into context as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. Excellent. All right. Two questions from the gallery. Yeah. One from T Rock and one from Jazz, who's actually downstairs right now. Cool. Just answer that one on the way out. No. <laughs> so Jazz, Jazz wanted to know what's the difference between your, I don't know, if there is a difference between your. Uh, process or your ability to approach rehab in a clinical space but in a team sport space like what are the differences that you notice and 
is there any you need to overcome from the difference? Because obviously, as we know, in a more of a clinical uh, performance-based space, is a bit more time. Yes. Compared to sport, where sometimes you're a little bit hampered by that and they've got three meetings and two other things they need to go to. Yes. Differences between the two and what does that look like and how does your approach change? Yeah. Um. <sighs> Jazz is also involved in both spaces. So Great. This, this one comes from Yeah, personal. awesome. Um, logistics is, is the biggest one. Um, you can pre-plan in the private setting exactly how you want their session to flow from start to finish um, and be pretty confident that it's going to go that way with, with some modifications along the way. Um, have time to talk to them pre, pre-workout. pre um, You have physio and, well, we, we're lucky enough to have physio and, and, you know, Dave as well, who's a great rehab coach, um, who have eyes on our athletes as well. So, and then just more like direct attention. So I can, you know, spend a little bit extra time with someone in the private setting yep. during a field-based session or gym session because I've got another coach on the floor with me or um, I've only got three people at field. Whereas like team sports setting, man, some of those <laughs> days at Carlton where like you have like eight people in rehab, you're like, all right, I've just got to fire off some um, some pre-save template conditioning off-leg conditioning sessions for you two while I work with these two, while I send you two off to do some skills with the sport coach that doesn't want to work with you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's I know, yeah. so much on the... You, Selwyn Griffith put it once where you're basically learning to be a high-performance manager at a smaller or a micro level. Yeah, it's a great way of putting it. it, it it's honestly, it's yeah, fantastic exposure to actually managing athletes and, and what they're doing um, because, yeah, you'll get ones that sneak off to physio to get treatment because <laughs> they said, oh, yeah, I've got a free spot now. Yeah. You're planning on doing the AD work. Damn, they needled them, so now we can't do AD work. <laughs> We're going to have to do some gym-based stuff. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just chaos. But at the yeah. same time... That's like, the fun of it. Yeah, exactly. You learn to think on your feet. You learn to be reactive. Um, and, and you learn to not, not do dumb things, mm. which which is critical. Um, but what? I think like the team sport thing is is the integration back into the sport stuff, which is the... It's the fun, but it's the tricky part. Yeah. Private, you have absolutely no control over it, which is hard. Mm. They go off and do this. Like their sport coach told them to do 75% of the session, even though you told them to do 25%. Yeah. You're not there. No. You, yeah. You're just dealing with whatever happens in the aftermath. Um, whereas team sport, you've got a little bit more control over that stuff, whether that's you've given the instructions to the high performance manager and they're monitoring it or mm-hmm. you're directly monitoring it. Yeah. You're going, okay, you're going to do this drill, this drill, and then I'm going to fill in the gaps with our AD work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, two very different spaces, but both very, very valuable to learn in. Um, they can make you a, a really good practitioner in whatever setting that you end up in. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Last question, T-Rock, our yeah. favourite man. Tell me. <laughs> how did your experiences at Carlton change what you now do at Hawthorne? Because how, how long have you spent at Carlton? Uh, three seasons. Three seasons, yep. yeah. How or what did you learn from that experience that now you take to Hawthorne and it's just normal practice? Oh, so much. Yeah. The, like the athletic development stuff. Like I literally only started that mm. year one at Carlton. Yeah. So that that would be the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, pe- stuff that I learned from other people. Um, like I learned so much from Riley, our head physio at Carlton, in, from a rehab point of view. Um, so much. I learned so much from Josh Milner, our high performance manager, in terms of load management and how critical that can be. Um, you know, it it doesn't matter how right you get it in the gym if their loads are way off on the field. Um, so yeah, learning that side of things from him was great. Um, as, as well as our sports science guy, um, 
Tommy and then and Matty Whitaker afterwards. Yeah. Um, I learned heaps from heaps from Steve in terms of um, group programming. Yeah, and I didn't just, mention Steve yet. He's yeah, Stevie Moore. <laughs> um, what a superstar he is. Um, yeah, le- le- learning that there's a huge difference between programming for groups versus um, you know individual rehab rehab calendars. Yep. Totally different. You got it's all logistical for yeah. for group group programming versus you can do whatever the hell you want in rehab. Yeah. Which I think is an, another topic in itself where yeah. you can just, you've got so much room to experiment um, in rehab and, and try different concepts and stuff. Um, yeah. So those would probably be the biggest things. Um, and then the, the biggest one, biggest things that I learned at Carlton were just how to work with female athletes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Full stop. Like, yeah. and, and what I've taken from Carlton over to Hawthorne. Yeah. That, that, that would be a massive one as well. Excellent. Love yeah. it. Thanks for coming down, my man. Cool. Well Thanks for having me, man. First, a lot of fun. First official podcast, technically. Did you enjoy it? Loved it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You like talking shop. I like talking shop. Big time. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we're definitely going to do this again on a different topic because I got so many things I can talk to you about. <laughs> uh, but no, I appreciate you taking the drive down. Uh, again, some highly, highly valuable information. Mainly not necessarily for our Virtus community to an extent, but more for sports science students, coaches, us, everyone. And again, so many people in your network, coaches, things like that. That. You know, you're one of those people that have so much untapped things that you know and pro do really, really well. So <laughs> I'm glad you came down and made the drive down. I'm glad you think so. No, nah, no. Nah, <laughs> everyone knows, so don't worry. You're a favourite among the people, that's for sure. So uh, appreciate you coming down. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to the outro, by the way. Yeah. I can't wait. We're out of here. Have a good day. <laughs> this is the best. Incredible. <laughs>